Well, we might have thrown off the elders a little bit by moving the podium. But ever since, and it's been more than a year and even before that, that we had others reading our scriptures for the morning. And you don't know how much of a relief that is for me. As many of you know, I'm not the best reader or speller, and boy, I wish they would have had computers like they have today way back when I was in school. But there's something about reading God's Word. I can mess up and maybe skip a page or say something wrong when I'm preaching, and that doesn't matter because that's who I am. But there's something about reading God's Word correctly. And so before we started to do that and others read for me, I know I would sit there during that last song going, okay, okay, let me get through these words. And I'd mess up and even though maybe it didn't bother anybody, it meant, it, it meant something to me. And so to have the elders do that just has given me such a more relaxing way of, of starting my sermon, knowing that I don't have to lead up to reading. Not that I mind reading, but I just know that that's a, a part of my story. And we all have a story. We all have history. Things that shape our lives. Like the date you, you were born, your families, where you come from, what you've done and accomplished, events that you've wished, witnessed or heard about that have influenced and shaped us. Nehemiah also had a story, a history that shaped his life. And as we go through this ser- series, I think it will be a great reminder over and over and over of his example of a godly man who saw God at work. He saw God work around him, within him, and through him. Sometimes the the hardest events we experience becomes the events in our lives where we see God's grace, where we come to know God's grace more deeply and more profoundly. I think this was true for Nehemiah, and it, was, as, and it is true for me as well. I can remember the Sunday morning, 42 years ago, my dad coming into my room. I was sound asleep. And he woke me up, and my first thought was, I could see that there was something on his face. I could see the sadness on his face, and for some reason, it just popped out. Did mom fall down the stairs? My mom didn't fall down the stairs. My dad had informed me that my brother Conley was murdered that, that night. I can remember that day like it was yesterday. I can almost remember everything I did on that day and the days that followed. I can remember that devastating morning and it changed my life forever. And as I went through those days and weeks realizing all that was happening around us, I also discovered that God's gracious hand was upon us, even in our crippling sorrow. He is there comforting and caring for us through our pain. Over time, I came to understand that even though I may never understand the why, God was always there in those painful moments. In our painful moments, I hope, reminding us that His grace 
is sufficient. We all have a story. You have a story, but it's your story. It's not my story. The events that have happened to us, they do affect the way we live out our lives. They can either, they can even, either cripple us or they can stretch us to do things we never thought possible. Nehemiah's story is not that much different than ours. As he heard the news of his hometown in ruins and his countrymen in trouble, he was faced with a life-changing decision. What was he going to do about his, about his beloved Jerusalem? For Nehemiah to do anything, it was going to require courage and sacrifice on his part. He also knew that he could do nothing without God. God had to accomplish these things that were before him. Nehemiah didn't run from his reality. He knew what he was capable of, and he faced his reality or the, of the situation believing that God was able, present, and working with him in this difficult time. So, what was, what was the reality that Nehemiah faced so faithful, faithfully? His reality was God had put a burden for the people in his hometown. They were vulnerable and in ruins, praying and fasting. He believed God was able to do something about this devastating reality. Spending time with the Lord, Nehemiah became more aware of God's faithfulness. Nehemiah understood his reality of his job situation. He was a cupbearer for the king. Close, but was he really that close? Did he really have a real position to influence the king to get favor for him? It wasn't like they were best friends. But if there was anyone who could help in this situation, it was the king. And so he cries out to God, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to my prayer of your servant and the prayers of your servant who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant, mercy, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. This is how chapter 1 ends. So you think, well, give me success today. But we pick up our part in chapter 2 four months later. He still is serving the king as his wine tester. The situation at home hasn't changed. He still feels the burden and now he feels the burden in such a way that it's weighing him down even at his job. And, is visibly ups and he's visibly upset by it. The king realizing that something was wrong. Why is your face sad seeing that you are not sick? Now I don't have this on my notes, but I'm going to just step out for a minute. Let's remember Nehemiah's job. He's to take the wine before the king drinks it. And if it's in, it has any poison, what happens to the king? Nothing. It happens to Nehemiah, right? 
And so for me, I don't know how many times I read over this passage, but every time I got there, I thought, okay, here's a question. Hey, what's wrong? Why aren't you feeling good? I can tell you're not sick. It's like, well, come on now. You were, it's not the wine. What's going on? Nehemiah was aware of his position. He was aware of the question. But he was very much afraid to answer that question. Again, his reality kicked in. And he says, long live the king. With this comment, Nehemiah was showing respect and loyalty to the king. He knew what his position was. And friend or not, the king can turn on him in a second. Before we go any further, I want to ask you a couple questions this morning. Maybe you have a piece of paper and you can write down the answers. What is your reality this morning? What are the things that God, that burden your heart? What are the things that burden your heart? That you long to see corrected in a way that pleases the Lord. What is on your heart and mind when you pray? When you spend those minutes close to the Lord? As you write those things down or as you think about them, your reality, what your job is or what you do, of what you're involved in, I think so often we convince ourselves. We convince ourselves in those moments of burdens or, or things that come upon us that, you know, God can't, God can't use me. God can't use me because, you know, my gender. God can't use me because of my age. God really can't use me because I don't have that great of a job. I don't do that great things. I'm not way out there. I'm not. We can convince ourselves over and over of all the reasons why God can't use us. Friends, I don't think Nehemiah is that much different than any of us here this morning. here this morning in this room or watching online. He has fears and concerns just like we do. What did, what did Nehemiah really do in those eight verses? Or even in chapter one? He made himself available. Available to God and the concerning news about what was happening at home. He prayed and fasted he went to God knowing that God could do something about it. At least he believed that. What he'd been trained, what he'd been told, how special he was that he went to God. He waited and waited. He waited for the opportunity to God to use him in the reality of his situation. And he did this all in God's timing, not his is our reality that much different than his? When opportunity comes, can't we, you know, can't we make ourselves available? 
Can't we pray and fast? Can't we wait? You know, I love sloth. I can wait forever. Can't we wait for an opportunity for God to use us? It's God's timing, not ours. Because again, if you go back to that last little part in chapter 1, today give me favor. And again, I'm so thankful that Dave read those words for us because again, many of us maybe didn't understand that month. But as I looked it up from the first month of Nehemiah to what had happened in the, sec- in the second chapter, four months had passed. And the reality now, all that he had gone through, all that he had thought about, the door is now open. The opportunity is there. What did Nehemiah do? He stepped out in faith and walked through that door and made his request to the king. The king seems to brush off Nehemiah's comments in the first few verses of chapter 2 and gets to what's on Nehemiah's heart. What are you requesting? If you're not sick because of the wine and you're having a bad day, what do you need of me? What are you requesting? What do you really want me to do for you? Again, there's the opportunity. And another great example for us, if you look at the next few verses, what does he do? Or next few words. He's fearful, but yet he cries out again to the God of heaven. I wondered for a split second if Nehemiah thought, how do I answer him? He's the king. His life is in my, my life is in his hands. He can do whatever he wants. What he says goes. In that moment, he didn't want to let the opportunity go by, though. So, because he cried out in the last few minutes to the Lord, how many of us, when something happens or we've been kind of involved in something and we've been asked a question and had to make a statement or whether, how many of us to do one of those real quick shots of prayer to the Lord? Oh, help me out now. I need some help. I need some help, Lord. Well, that's exactly what Nehemiah did. What a great example for us, again, that he's no different than us. So respectfully, he answers the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah, fearful and nervous, but yet with confidence because he believed that God was with him, shares with the king the vision that God has placed on his heart. His request is prayerful, respectful, thoughtful, relational, if I have found favor, and gutsy. Nehemiah could do nothing on his own. He knew it. He needed the king's approval and authority to do what was on his heart. He knew the king could secure safe passage. He knew the king could help with the resources needed for the rebuild. Nehemiah's request tells a lot about who Nehemiah was. He was a man of prayer. Everything he did flows in and out of prayer. 
He was a man of courage. He saw and seized the opportunity God had placed before him. He was a man of passion. He felt his concerns deeply and lived them out. He was a man of faith. He trusted God with his life and trusted that God's ways will always guide him well. Can we be like Nehemiah today? I really want you. And that's why I'm trying hard, because you know how hard, how fast I speak and how I'm going. I really want to take those pauses. I really want us to think about it. Can we not pray? Can we not fast? Can we not be like Nehemiah's? Can we not be Nehemiah today? And so I'm taking those long pauses, and you don't know how uncomfortable they are for me. But I believe as we go through this series, and Danny and I have been studying on Monday morning and been reading over this book, more and more I just think he's no different than I am. He's got fears and concerns. He knows he can't do it on his own. He needs help. And so as we look at this this morning, and how he interacted with the king. And you can think about your own life and your boss or your situation or what's happening in your family. And you think, oh, how can this possibly be solved? Nehemiah is giving us a road map. He's giving things that we can do today. Not they just weren't done back then. They can be done today so that we can have favor in the sight of God. Nehemiah was also a man of reflection. We see this in how he was able to see God with him and through him in this situation. The last verse, probably my favorite verse out of all of them today, Nehemiah's response. Now the king granted me what I asked. For the good hand of my God was upon me. Months ago, when Nehemiah heard the sobering news, he spent time praying and waiting and praying even more than seeing an opportunity and prayed yet again. This is such a great example for us today on the importance of prayer and God's timing, not ours. Nehemiah was unable to hide his feelings any longer from the king. The king noticed and asked him, what's going on? Instead of brushing it off, and again, I think that is totally like us today. I think when people come up to us and ask us questions of how we're doing, what's going on, I think the most easiest answer is just to brush it off and to say we're fine and everything's okay. Well, maybe I'm just having a little bad day. Nehemiah could have done that. Just like we could do that. But Nehemiah knew that this was the opportunity that he had been praying for, that he had been longing for. And so Nehemiah courageously answers him. And the king is what? No way! Just do your job, do what I tell you to do, and if you don't straight, no. Nehemiah is moved. The king is moved. The king is moved. 
by Nehemiah's story. And frees him to make his way home, to do the mission that God had placed on his heart. When I think about those moments in the king's chamber and, 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 not, and not having the best day, knowing things were, on his, uh, things were on his mind, he wasn't focused, and then just how it played out, the joy and the relief that Nehemiah felt, must have felt in that moment. Friends, if we aren't inspired by it, I'm inspired by it. God's plans and Nehemiah's prayers were coming together as one. I wish I could say I came up with that line myself. I have a friend who helps me with my sermons, and every now and then he'll give me a line. And when he gave me this line, oh, it just resonated with me. God's plans and Nehemiah's prayers were coming together as one. Friends, I want you to put your name in there. God's plans and whatever your name is, prayers, were coming together as one. This, this section ends in a time of praise and relief for Nehemiah. He was, he's relieved because God moved the king's heart to give him everything he asked. Again, just think about that for a moment. Just think about Nehemiah's position. Just think about what he said to the king. The king owed him nothing. Nehemiah was just his wine tester and a taster. And again, I, I'm not saying it's not an important job, but let's be real. If he didn't like what Nehemiah was saying, or if Nehemiah took the wrong sip out of the wrong cup, well, what does he do? He just goes and gets another wine tester. It's not that hard for the king to just kind of say, off with you, Nehemiah. But just think for just a moment how that must have felt. He got everything that he had asked for. It was God in his timing and at his pace worked with Nehemiah and moved the king to grant him everything he needed to begin the rebuilding of the, of the wall around Jerusalem. What a day! He went to work with a burden carry he had carried for months. He probably had felt many days in that month. Oh, nothing is happening. Why won't God hear my prayers? Are they just bouncing off the ceiling? Does he really care what's going on back home as much as I care? But when the king says you can have her, whatever you want, yeah, he might have went going to work having a lousy day, but he left that room busting at his seams. If I had the guts, I'd run up and down, could you, up and down every aisle and high-five you and fist pump. Could you imagine Nehemiah and how long he had waited to hear those words, make your way home. I'll supply what you need. I'll supply your safety. I'll supply your lumber. Whatever you need, I will supply. He must have went around. Yes, yes, yes. I can't wait to get out this room because who's ever in that hall, I am going to hide. Five, with relief came praise for the good hand of my God was upon me. Nehemiah quickly acknowledges that God is with him 
and for him. Nehemiah understood that this was, this was not possible on his own. It was because of God's gracious work in, working in him and through, and through him that this was possible. In one of my commentaries, it says this, In the Hebrew language, the hand may be used as a figure of speech, especially with regard to power. Here in Nehemiah, it means that God's active presence and power was with Nehemiah, or that God acted with Nehemiah. That means the hand of God was with, the hand of God was the favor of God. And Nehemiah was aware that God brought about favor with the king. It amazes me when we see the hand of God at work in our lives, when God grants us favor and we and our prayers are answered in the way that we want them to be answered, with the hope that we can have in them. But as we see and as we'll, as we'll kind of work together and as we journey together through the book of Nehemiah, this isn't a fairy tale ending. He didn't leave there going, wow, this I am on easy street. Everything has come together. The Lord is going to make it easy for me. Nah, if you jump ahead and you take some time to read, you'll really understand that Nehemiah really... The work just begins. And there's lots of lots of opposition that comes his way. And we talk about the faith that he needed to speak his speech with the king. Much faith was needed to get the work done that God had called him to do. And when we look at the New Testament, we learn an important lesson that goes along with this that helps us to understand that getting what we want from God is not always the most important, important aspect of walking with God. Paul, like Nehemiah, acknowledges his need for the gracious hand of God to be with him. But Paul, unlike Nehemiah, doesn't get the answer that he hoped for. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But the Lord, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I contend with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. When I am weak, then I am. Come on. When I am weak, then. Say it again. Do you believe it today? Then say it like you believe it. I am. I don't think they heard you online. I am. All right. We are strong. I can't read and write that well. But in my weaknesses, I am strong. Wherever you feel weak today, wherever you feel that you just don't measure up, maybe you're getting insults at work and it just isn't the great work environment. Go to the Lord and He will make you strong. He gives us the courage to keep on going. Paul and Nehemiah understood their reality. 
Their request came from a burden. They may have not received, they may have received different outcomes, but their response is the same. Acknowledging God and God's presence and power in their situation. What about you and me this morning? Is there a burden that God has placed on your heart that you just can't shake, that the Lord just won't free you from, that you need to pray and fast and to wait, to wait for the opportunity to be open, to watch, As we move through this series, Rise Up and Build, the leadership here, our desire is for OAC to be that God would build us up to be all that we can be, to know Him more, to grow, to grow, to really to understand how much God loves us. And so as we grow, as we spend time in God's Word, we are able to go and to tell others. And I know that sometimes I get on you and I want you to be louder and and I want you to say it with some zest, but friends, we have such hope for a broken world. You know, we just can't seem to get back to what we think is reality. Maybe it's reality where we are. But whatever we are doing now, we have to share the hope that we have. We don't have to fight and say, I want it my way, I don't understand this, or we should do that. Let's allow God to use us in the burden that He's given us because He can do All that He wants to do through us is we make ourselves available. And so really, the leadership here at OAC wants us to be all that God wants us to be. And so let's do that this morning. I'm going to close our time in prayer, and I hope it is our desire that God would build us here to be a people that all that we can be. And I'm going to use the passage out of Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 as I pray, because I think those are powerful words. For this reason I bow my knee before the Lord, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He he may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, May have, this, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that, we, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Lord, this morning as we center on these eight verses, and Lord, I do thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Nehemiah that I hope as we go through this series will show us more and more that he was just an average guy, an average person just like us. And Lord, through his burden, through through his relationship with you, we can all be like that. We can all be Nehemiahs. 
We all have a story. We all have a history. There's things that you put on our hearts. And like Nehemiah was open to what you wanted to do, I pray that we would be open to what you want to do. And Lord, as we journey through together, I pray that we would be, as we just read in these verses, that we would know you more. That we would be strengthened by you. That, we would, that you would give us the strength to carry on through these difficult days that we are facing. And that we may dwell in your presence and that we know that you are on our side and that we would be filled to the fullness, that you would overflow us with your spirit. In your precious name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.